0: The really applause at the end of the beginning. Uh, I'm, gonna go, I'm on a roll because at Miguelito last week I did get a standing ovation at the end of his share. So oh. <laughs> uh, you okay, dance. there is a no pressure. Just, you know, just to you, the the, 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 you know, we're this has been really clapper on your. We're not really as
1: affiliated with. Music. Well, <laughs> what I, I, I know, know really
0: I know. Really that really where I, I did not really. Where, where <laughs> I've been so far, I've been at Perdiz. <laughs> So I, I've been at Perdes, malay try to and Malagulboa and you you Tora, and I'm missing one. Were you going to Medellin? I'm going to Medellin tomorrow, and 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 Horacio and, and Drisha on, so on, tu- on Tuesday. Yeah. I'm missing yeah, so one place. I been already. I don't know. Oh, and I was in a right to this morning. So safe, uh, right. And I'm missing one, right, um, and I'm missing one place from, from last week. Gush. No, Gush is Yeah, Tuesday. I I I was at. One other, one place, I'm missing where I was Tuesday, that's bad. Okay, days disappear. I'm old. <laughs> I saw, the list was long. Yeah, it's about 11 or 12 places. Okay, um, okay. so uh, first of all, there is there is a sign-up sheet here that I'm going to send around. What I would suggest is you sign, you put your name and your email on it now, and then if you really dislike the share, you can cross it <laughs> off later, rather than forgetting the opportunity. I'm, I'm fine, I'll leave it out. I'm not going to collect it before the end, so I'm not going to cheat. Uh, but you may be rushing out to dinner afterwards, so it's a good time to get the chance to sign up now and that way you'll get information about the Summer of Bidrash and also my weekly Dvar Torah, which will rapidly become the centerpiece of your Shabbat, obviously. Um, uh, also, I'm gonna leave a copy in the back center of the book I published this year, um, called Divine Will and Human Experience, um, which, you can, which you're welcome to peruse at leisure. Um, please don't fight about it and tear it up when you each. When, when, <laughs> there are more copies available on Amazon and Book Baby, and maybe even at Pomerantz after next week.
1: Oh, <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: Okay, but well, I do want to, I do want to warn you, you know, we have about an hour, and it's going to be really, really hard intellectual work. I'm going to, um, I, Dr. Golstein asked me to try and prepare a shear that would try and change the way you think about what Gemara is. And um, that's, that's hard to do in an hour. Um, so I have this crazy idea that we're going to do three full, long, complicated, so maybe four. Um, which is really, which is a really tall order, so you got to be totally focused. Okay, not totally focused, you're going to drown. But that's a good idea. It's a good way to find out whether you're, you're, whether you're a good, you know, good fit for the Shomer Midrash. Where usually my test is, if you like, if you're the kind of person who likes being thrown at the deep end of an intellectual pool without a life preserver, then you're right for the Shomer Midrash. That's what we're trying to do for everyone. Okay, so we're going to start with the sugya on on uh, brachot. Your ten, I'm, right, it's on it's on page one of the Makarad. You can follow along with me in Aramaic. But I'm going to try and present it to you outside because part of what I, what I want to show you in this year is that it's not just I have the.
1: More I didn't get one. You didn't get
0: one. Are there still macarons um, left? Are
1: these more? Yeah, we got plenty. I okay, plenty here's another one. Right <laughs> okay,
0: so page one, page one is a, is, a, um, is a is this is this is a, is a um, yeah. So I'll say, where I'm trying to get you the idea is to think of the Sh- a Gemara. Right, a sugya and gemara doesn't just go in order from point one to point two to point three to point four, but actually it has a shape. That's not it. That's not it? No. This oh, is it. Okay. Uh, thank you for asking me. Um, for asking. So when you um, when you think about a sugya, you can't just be at every point and say, "I know what happened before. I know what happens after." You have to be able to think about the entire thing. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to try and show you, at least two sugyot that have very clear shapes, and then. I'm going to try and take it back to a sugi you're learning, right? Which I think is the, which I think is the first sugi above, right? The first sugi above Metsiya is what you're, what you're learning? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, right? Well, Somebody.
1: One, one of the classes
0: uh, pivoted. Pivoted, Okay. Yeah. Well, so I'll try it. So, particularly if it failed with you, so I'll try and teach it to you in a way that might give you a, a completely different sense of what it's, of what it's about. Okay. So here's the. Let's take a look at page one. This is a sugi that starts from a single statement by Namura. The statement of the Amar "Amari Amar he says, So right, it's a very dramatic statement. If you find that you're wearing some kind of mixture of wool and linen um, in the marketplace, then you have to take off your clothes.
1: <laughs>
0: because, right, because you're wearing, how can you possibly violate the studio So we can talk about all the other questions about all the other reserve you might violate but not wearing clothing in the marketplace. Let's not deal with that, right? That's the basic claim. And the Gemara asks, why? my Tama? What's the reason? And the answer, it quotes a Tasuk in Mishlev, which is just a placeholder for us. Yes. Very strange statement. You, you, don't, you don't show kavot to rabbis where there's a chil where, where Hashem. But it seems to add up to meaning is it's a claim. Look, not having clothing in public is tremendously humiliating. If you ask myself, as a human being, what are my rights? My rights mm-hmm. are not to, to wear clothing in public. Mm-hmm. And then you ask me, but there's a halacha is Halakha allowed to ask me, to demand of me, and that I humiliate myself to keep it? Yeah. So the statement is yes, right? right. That's what a Marav says. Mm-hmm. Yes, if Halakha says you have to humiliate yourself in public, then you have to humiliate yourself in public. And it has a, a positive initially which says, essentially, nothing human is worth anything against God. Okay, that's our big statement, right? God is everything. Human dignity has no worth at all against God. It never wins. We should be not
1: sneeze. Okay.
0: Right. Good, fair question. Right. We can say maybe this only applies to men and not to women. Maybe it only applies if you're wearing.
1: If, <laughs> right.
0: Right. All. All good things. Well, part of what we want to part of what we want to get you to do in the purpose yeah. of this year is I want you to be able to think about right to think of the text is about ideas. Okay. Right. To so think of the text being about ideas and don't get stuck in specific details. Yes.
1: Isn't embarrassment well, like? yeah alive, like, good
0: good all these are great questions hold them hold them for five minutes okay because I want to go see want to want you to go see what the sugi is doing okay okay so then the Gemara, what the Gemara does is it offers um, it offers five five texts that are attempting to prove that statement wrong okay five statements that said what you the thesis you just established. By saying that you have to take your clothes off if they're shot and is in public, that thesis, all right, that thesis is, um, could people put the electronic device away if you're not taking notes? Um, yeah. Thank you. It makes a bad impression for the whole school of people working on their devices while somebody's giving share. Um, okay, so the, um, the, Gemara, the Gemara asks, um, poses five, five attempts to disprove the thesis, and it answers each of those five mm-hmm. attempts. So at the end of the day, sorry. At the end of the day, it should be perfect. At the end of the day, it should be perfectly clear. Right? If I have if I have a statement, and I have five attempts to disprove the statement, and all the attempts to disprove it fail, what am I left with?
1: The statement is true. The statement. The statement is true.
0: Right? That's what I would think. So one way to read a sugya is to say, look, we have a statement. We try to disprove it. We don't disprove it. The statement stands. Okay. Now I want to take you through the sugya a different way. We begin with this statement that says, you have to take your clothes off in public, right? if it's shot in this. And we say that statement stands for a principle. The principle is that nothing human has any weight against God. So what happens if I start making exceptions? What happens if I say, you know what, that, sometimes you have to, let, right, you can treat that opening statement as halacha always beats human dignity. What happens if I start saying, halacha beats human dignity except first question is here. If you okay. think.
1: I think it can still stand. Like, let's say we have a, a principle in American society, even in our legal system, body autonomy. But if somebody is under a certain age, then a parent may have a, a joint autonomy or something of the sort.
0: Okay, very nice. What's your name?
1: Akira.
0: Akira. So that's right. right? If you try it, some exceptions won't threaten the rule and some exceptions will. Right. So I have to figure out what exceptions. What was your question? What's your name for that?
1: Um, my name's
0: huh.
1: I was going to say that contradict that, it could lead to like this idea we have in Judaism, or um, what I've learned, that there's this slippery slope, and you have to be very clear about your exceptions to things and exactly why, or else it could lead to like, you know, just always making exceptions and being like why can we never make the exception?
0: Things like okay, that. so that's a really good idea. We'll have to see if that holds, right, how that holds up in the together. So, the Gemara's first first case is a really weird case. The Gemara says that you're allowed to if a kohen has a funeral, and they're way back through, and um, then you're allowed to, uh, if you're and you're a kohen as well, you're allowed you're allowed to accompany them back through a place that would make you both tamei mate
1: mm-hmm.
0: even though ordinarily it's prohibited to become tamei mate And the gemara says the reason for that, it seems, is that the the dignity of not having a mourner walk home alone, is worth more than the right, beats the prohibition of kohanim not being allowed to become tamei mate like Morris says, hang on, right? What? Right. If you have to take up your clothes in public, then you have to walk home alone.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. This is There's a Kohain who recently lost a family member. You're saying More
0: remember, so. Yeah.
1: Uh, and, and the all yeah.
0: Else. Right. So that's it. So the Gemara says, "Why well, that? That looks like a straight out contradiction." And his answer is, "No, we're talking about a very special case. You're not actually being a case where you'll become to me- me- te- or the Oraita." we're coming to a case where the issue of Tumat mate is only to Rabbanan, where there's a field where there once was a grave, but the grave was plowed over, and so now there are all sorts of rabbinic concerns. I think gives a, it gives a second case which is very similar, although a funny case, of right, where, you're, where you're allowed to violate rabbinic prohibitions in order to preserve human dignity. Uh, right, well, that was, that's the case of um, greeting kings. But what it matters, after the first two proofs, it sounds like we have qualified our initial statement and now we're say that, well, you know what? When we say that human dignity has no value against God, well God only means halachad your it doesn't mean halachah halachadurabbana. Because human dignity does right because it turns out human dignity does beat halachadurabbana. So we've qualified it. Now we can ask, does that really you can see how that would that would leave the statement intact. Because the are sort of halfway between God and human beings. So human beings, when they're making decisions, will allow you to Say right, we'll say our new rules, which we even though we give them under the authority of God, we're not going to impose our rules at the cost of your dignity. Okay, so we can still preserve our preserve our. Right? And the like, Gemara then has this wild statement where it looks like there's this huge statement. This is right in the. Um, it's the third the third proof against Tashma. Right, the the, the proofs against are underlined. So the third Tashma says, "Godol k'vod sheduche et se Human dignity is great." Because it pushes aside a, 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 a do not in the Torah, so that looks like, wow, that the first statement was totally wrong. Here it says, right, that you, we override lotah says in the Torah, the and dignity, and the opening statement says no. The so like Gemara answers, you know what, it's only talking about one lotah say, and that one lotah is the lotah say of listening to the rabbis. Okay, now here anyway, you're, right, you're properly laughing, right? In fact, the Gemara said they laughed at the person who said this. Um, and then they said, no, no, don't laugh. That's okay, don't laugh, right? It, right, that's really, really all rabbinic things are connected to the Torah in this way. And so now after three disproofs, we're still left with this with this with a basically simple equation. The basically simple equation is deoraita <laughs> beats human dignity beats halachad <laughs> rabbana. Okay, and we can sustain that theologically, it's not a big deal. But then comes up with a totally with a different case. Igmar says that generally, there's an obligation to return lost objects know, right, that right? You have to tell me, is it lost object, you have to return it. But the Gemara says, because of a peculiar reading of the verse, the Gemara says that actually we read the verse in a way that says that you only sometimes have to return lost objects, sometimes you don't. Mm-hmm. And they work gives examples of when you don't. And one of the examples when you don't is when it would be beneath your dignity to retrieve an object like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're a highly respected public figure, and someone else's pig is running through a mud hole. So in order to retrieve their lost pig, you're going to have to fall into the mud hole. So you don't have to... Right Then, even though ordinarily there is a biblical obligation to return lost objects, and there is a biblical um, prohibition against not returning lost objects, but if it's beneath your dignity to return someone else's lost object, you don't have to. I got to say, right? But if you have to go naked in public, why don't you have to go into a mud hole? <laughs> right? So the Gemara then gives a new answer. The Gemara says... Uh, the Gemara says, you know what, That, that's a unique case. It's the only exception. And the Gemara says, really? What? And the Gemara says, that, you're right, there's a general rule, and all, all the races, The says, only, the only halacha that beats, the only, the only case where human dignity beats halacha is when it comes to returning lost objects. the Gemara says, that makes no sense at all. What's unique about it? So the Gemara says, a new rule. Actually, human dignity overrides even biblical halachot if they relate to money.
1: No, not to rabbanon. No, but I'm saying man, rabbis. The, the rabbis can only um, add on to. No, is it, can they can only make decrees adding on. To not, them? not this is not no. rabbinic. The Torah
0: says you have to return lost objects, but by whatever, whatever the Torah says about money, you can still write. You you can still override. Not no rabbis involved at all. An at all.
1: example. Pardon? Accepted,
0: right? An example would be that right, you don't have to return lost objects, or if it, if, it, if there was a way that you that you know let's say that you. That you have to pay interest, right? Or charge interest for human dignity though, right? That would be that would be worth it, or you could steal, mm-hmm. right? Having taken off your shodness clothing, you can then break into the next <laughs> into the next store to steal clothing so you can put it on instead. It's
1: stealing, it's not right? Stealing. But stealing
0: is a prohibition associated with money.
1: Okay, but isn't like being naked, like you're in a marketplace, you know, like technically yeah. that's an association with money.
0: I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's a, okay. That I think is a step too far.
1: Interrupting what about, exactly. what about concern for other people's comfort, embarrassment,
0: sh- yeah. mirati nayim? Yeah, okay, I, they're all good reasons why you mm-hmm. might... Why, I just I want to stick. I want to, you to know, stick to thinking about it abstractly. There's the first statement is an abstraction, which says that halakha always beats dignity. And now we have a counter... But now we're going to say halakha always beats dignity, except when the halakha is rabbinic. Or funny. even when the halakha is biblical, when it relates to... When it it relates to money. So now, that initial statement, that human dignity has no worth against God?
1: It only... when it relates to money. Only right, only right, only... I don't don't get how money is... I understand that, but I don't get how
0: it's. You don't get how it's... I
1: don't get how they say it when it comes
0: to money. Returning lost objects, someone else's money. So even though it's a prohibition to not return someone else's lost object, that's violating their right to the lost object. But if it's based by dignity, because I don't want to get money... Because the lost object is a Torah prohibition that only relates to money. And dignity beats all prohibitions related to money.
1: He got that, that principle from that one example? Yeah. Because that's a, that's a pretty broad principle. It's also like passive versus active, like actively stealing versus passively not returning. Good. Somebody.
0: You're one step ahead of the Gemara. Very, very good. But watch what we're doing, right? We started with one example, right, which was the Shadda's example. We made a big principle out of that. And now we took another example. We made a counter principle. And now what we have is one complicated principle that doesn't actually fit our original idea. Because the original idea was that this, this is high stakes, either you, right, God or human beings, right? Are you allowed to care about it? And the answer is, well, sometimes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Then the Gemara gives another proof. And the next proof the Gemara brings is that under certain, certain that um, if there's a mitzvah, if there's somebody who won't otherwise be buried, so then a Kohen or a Nazir is allowed to bury them despite their prohibition against becoming Tamek. Now, that has nothing to do with money. Yeah. That's just straightforward human dignity. In fact, burial is the example of human dignity in halacha. And here we have what seems like a pretty clear principle that human dignity, in fact, beats, hal- beats halakha deraisa because you're permitted to become tummy. And here it, we can't have the out that it's only rabbinic. You're taking the body and putting it in the grave. You're as tummy as you get. So what's the Gemara's first attempt going to be? That's an exception.
1: <laughs> That's an exception. It's the
0: only case like it. Okay, and then we're going to say, no, we can't say it's an exception, because generally the principle of halacha is that every individual case expands, unless you have a reason to limit it. The only question is how far it expands. Every case stands for an idea, and you expand the idea until something stops it. So here the Gemara says, you know what, it stands for the idea that, um, that you're of, actually, actually, I should have explained it. case, it's actually not the burial that the Gemara is in, the Gemara claims you're allowed to bury it even if, in the process of burial, you become tummy and therefore you won't be able to bring a Korban Pesach. <laughs> right? That's what, ma- that's, what matters. that's what matters for us. What? You can't bring a Korban Pesach on your tummy. Not bringing a Korban Pesach is a prohibition okay. in an any Sarkarit. Any person, yeah. So it extends it from any person. That
1: from the case yes. In the
0: Torah? That we do. So we do. So the Gemara says, if we allow you to bury somebody, even though the result of burying somebody is that you won't bring a Korban Pesach, and that thereby will violate the prohibition of Keresh, so right, so that teaches us the principle is that we allow you to violate any passive. Deiraita. Just not active deiraita. But it has
1: nothing to do with money.
0: Nothing to do with money. No. So we have new, two exceptions. Three we have three exceptions. We have rabbinic law. Rabbinic law is always an exception. We have mo- law related to money. That's always an exception. And, and, and it well, it's, it's, it's not an say It's a it's a, neg- it's a well, passive net lot, say. No, because
1: you're not bringing a carbon, which the carbon is the mitzvah.
0: Yeah, except that not bringing carbon and Pesach is a mitzvah lo tasi, or it's an essay curries, if you want, right? But you can call it essays if you want, right? So now the question is, so where are we now? So we're left with a we can right the way most people read the sugya is okay that's the end of the sugya. So what we know is, we know that right we have we know we know that that halacha beats human dignity. A less halacha is rabbinic, relates to money, or is passive. which is a holy, which is. A wholly incoherent principle. Actually, the opening principle we started the sugya with, which was that human dignity has no worth at all against God, right? Yeah. We haven't challenged the original halakha, but in order but preserving the original halakha required us to surrender the principle we thought it was based on. So that's a very different image of what the sugya is doing, right? Is the sugya preserving the original statement, or right? Is the sugya undermining its initial logic? Yeah, so that's a different idea, right, of what a sugya does, right? Because it looks like, now I'm going to take it even further. Okay, what are you, let's suppose we think of this halakhis, that this sugya is actually supposed to teach us what to do. So now I come up with a new question. All right, the question I come up with is, is let's say, um, is, a, um, let's, think of, let's think of a new case, right, can you think of a case which is neither money nor uh, neither money nor passive, but isn't shot in his either. Ah. Uh, it might cause that, that might, um... Yeah. Like we might have to weigh, like, dignity over... Right. It. Let's suppose, like, there's, you know, there's somebody who's um, cooked a massive meal for you, yeah. and you, you know, you it know it's trafe. Yeah,
1: exactly. Mm. That's a really good
0: one. But they don't know it's trafe.
1: Uh, ah, is a big one. Right.
0: So that's all right. So there we have a case. So what are you supposed to do? So, one way of saying it is, the sugya is, a sugya is static. By which we mean that all we have in the su- the sugya ends, and we take the sugya as is, and so we look at it and we say, well, you know what? Eating treif, that's not passive. Eating treif, that's not money. So eating treif is like shotness. You have to humiliate other people, even it right, even at, um even if. The other possibility is um, that the sugi is giving you a direction, and what it tells you is that any time a new case comes up, your job is to find a way to make that case different so that it's okay. And the only case in which we tell you that halacha beats human dignity is is in the marketplace. And the point of the sugya, the point of the suya is to right, is to take a statement which we think initially is the paradigm, where we learn everything from, and to make it the exception. Because really, what's really what's what really is the point? Of the question we asked, the question we asked initially was false.
1: Mm.
0: It's not true that there's a conflict in human dignity and God. The question is, does God want to override human dignity? And the answer is, what we do halakhically is we preserve the principle that God can in one case. And then in practice, we always find a way to make the cases in front of us different. So in fact, right, Tosvot addresses the question that maybe, that, you know, that right, says that if you have another case, where, you know, which, which comes up, we look at it and say, no, that's not, that's not like all other halakha. That's a case where, which applies only to kohanim. So, yeah. mitzvahs that apply to kohanim are not like all other mitzvahs. So, okay, halakha also overrides mitzvahs that, that relate to kohanim, right? We also, if, an editor, if you have a mitzvah an Israel based on an editor, we'll say, oh, Israel based on a darum, they're different. They also lose. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. You can't, I mean, none of these principles are come up with or developed in advance. It's just when you're confronted with a case, your job is to think of the exception. But if you don't think of the exception, that Halakha stands. And so it imposes a responsibility on you. It doesn't lay out. And maybe there are times when you'll think, you know what, that's just too much like Shatnes, I can't do it. But the overall principle is that you're supposed to preserve the principle that human dignity doesn't stand against God, and in practice, you're always supposed to preserve human dignity. And your, and your job as a posik is to figure out how do I, in practice, maximize human dignity without undermining people's sense. That, right, that, that, that God has the right to demand things that they, that they consider undignified. Good question? It seems um, that they're putting it through like a in different situations
1: to, like, see if the principle holds up.
0: Then. Or... And they're teaching you. Like the you right, if you read the sugya this way, which is right again, I gave you three different ways of reading the sugya. One way is the sugya starts, starts with a principle, it tries to disprove it, it fails, the principle stands. The second possibility is we started with a simple principle, we ended up with a complex principle. And the third is, we started with a principle, and we end up deciding that actually the case doesn't stand for a principle mm-hmm. um, that's supposed to be in force, but the case stands for a principle that's supposed to be symbolic mm-hmm. and not actually carried out in practice. And a sugya has a direction. Right? You just read, if you just read the sugya flat, you wouldn't get any of that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's a, right, that's a different way of thinking about about Gemara than you would. Right, than ordinarily you would. No, I have a yes.
1: question. Is the sugya an exception?
0: That, that is a very good question. What's the question? Is this, is this an Right, I, is this the only sugya like this? Right, uh, right really, nothing. no other sugya are supposed to be read that way, or are all sugya that's supposed to be read that way, so that's a great question. So I'm going to read a couple other sugya with you, and let's see if we can think about other kinds of shapes of sugya. Yes? If the principle isn't
1: really meant to be upheld, then why wouldn't they later go back and say, oh, actually... That principle isn't what applies here. Like, I don't understand why they're like if if their initial logic they seem to say maybe we don't want this. Actually, Let's try to find every exception ever. Like, why not just why not just have a different explanation for why one should take off their clothes instead of maybe it's something specifically about wool and linen that's bad. Maybe we right. don't mm-hmm. even need a. Principle. They
0: could have done that, right? So, so what? But what, what, what you learn in this, right? If I'm right. Is that that's actually the point? They want you. To, they want people to agree in principle that God can demand a lack of dignity, and to understand that God never wants that. Mm. Well,
1: how can like we tell that? Like, saying yeah. that God specifically is like, Well, we are.
0: Halakha's is God. Yes. go your question? Why is it- Because if we because if we don't think that then people will constantly chip away at halakha and right and just say out of convenience. It also
1: leniency
0: right for Right. be able to do the trick. Yes. The, that, right, that's a very you know the fancy word for that is a dialectic. Right? We're trying right, we have two opposing forces and we have to balance the force. What I want to get also is to understand what postgame are doing. Right? Postgame aren't just like right, connecting dots and lines, right? Often what Good does, and by the way, this is my program. Right, good does is trying to figure out how the balance genuinely conflicting, uh, genuinely conflicting principles, and not just to right, and not just to pun- points. Yes.
1: In this sikkia, they didn't try to find exceptions for the wool linen rule, but what a POSEF nowadays actually say, like, if you find out this is halacha, you need to go naked and get get arrested or whatever it is?
0: <laughs> so that's a really good question. So we might say. You know what, that's true in principle, but only for men and not for women. We might say... Why that's for true. men and not for women? No, for We might say that for women it violates lifnaivir, for women... Right? We might say it's more it's more undignified for women. Right? There are all sorts of ways... Everyone's in every, in every We men might men. say, how do you know for sure it's shot in uh, right? Because right, you can't tell between goats and, between goat hair and, and, and sheep hair, so maybe it's a suffering... They didn't do that here, though. That's true, because that wouldn't add to the principle. Those are halafi questions. Let's put your question more broadly. The Gemara cannot cover every case. It cannot even cover every principle. All it can do is all it can do in a, in a so is give you directions. So you have right, so you have directions. But in the, and they have to do it memorizably. Right? So you're all good questions, and those are the questions that are supposed to come up when you teach the class. And then you and they might be that different people answer in different ways. Some people will think that we really you know, no, like the only way to make the only way to make the principle is that everyone understands when shotness comes. And maybe shotness is a good example because everyone understands is has no rational purpose at all. So we want to pick a mitzvah, right? Maybe, right? Maybe we want to pick a mitzvah that Dafka stands for God just wants what he wants. And shotness is a great example of that. Right? might be, right? Those are all things, right, when I get, Gemara isn't a close, isn't the end of the story. Gemara, right? Gemara is the beginning of the conversation. And what you get, if you read the Sugi this way, right, is that when you're finished learning the Gemara, now we have Lots of conversation. Often the conversation has taken place for a thousand years. And all what you're doing is being part of the conversation. But it's not the conversation. is not within the Gemara. The conversation is generated by the Gemara. Okay? So when you read Gemara, so if you read Gemara, it's right if it's, it's flat and you're just supposed to be in the Gemara, right, that I think you're missing. If this is right, I think you're missing a lot of what it's trying to do. Um, okay. Sure that's some al-
1: would say that's, that's dangerous and that can make people come up with Sure. Like very different rulings. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Almost anything that gets people to think is dangerous.
1: So
0: mm-hmm. true. Um, and yeah, you know, I get accused of that very often. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's take a look at um, another another model, um, of a, another model of a another so model. we'll have to oversimplify this, but I hope it'll co- I hope I hope it'll come across. Um, so the Gemara of Mitzia, right? This is page two. The Gemara of Mitzia um, starts off by saying there's a Mishnah. And unfortunately, if you read Gemara, you, know, you often totally miss this because you know the Gemara originally Mishnah generally were read as one. Every chapter was a unit, and then for the purposes of printing, it was easy, right to, mat- to track where the Gemara was. They broke it up. They broke it up into units. Mm-hmm. But really, to understand what's going on in Gemara, you always have to look at the whole parak of Mishnah first before you look at mm-hmm. the Gemara at the beginning, and I mean, otherwise you say so here. If you look at the Gemara, it just tells you there's a mission which gives you which uh, gives you a list of things that you're allowed to keep if you find them, but you have to know there's another list of things that you're not allowed to keep, and that the lists are parallel. So every case stands. Every case is not designed to be developed on its own. Every case is divine, designed to be developed in opposition to the counter case. Okay. So among the lists of the lists of things, there are fruit. There are fruit on each list. The first is what's called perot Mefuzarin, scattered fruits. <laughs> And the second is fruits that are found in, in a container. All right, so the Gemara asks, right, this is where, right at the very beginning of right, where it says Gemara on page two, matzah perut mefuzarin many Right, how many fruits? I think our answer is, which tells you that the question is a little bit off, your answer is with kav bar with a kav, which is a dry measure called a pint, if you want, I have no idea exactly how much it is. In, right in four, and let's, there's a whole debate whether this is four square amote or four amot squared. Right, you get this good. Somebody taught you well. Um, okay, so the governor asked an amount, and what did it get?
1: Uh, a distance uh, and a
0: volume. I got a ratio. Right, it got a ratio. Right, did, right of amount, of volume, volume to volume to area. Good. Okay, so the governor says, "Hang on a sec." But when is the ratio relevant? The real criteria which you can exi- which you can get by uh, by looking at the contrast between scattered and in a container the real criteria is did it look like they were put down or did it look like they were dropped if they were dropped you can keep them and if they were put down you can't who cares how much there is Right right it doesn't, right, it doesn't I don't understand the answer I don't understand the answer right? the answer doesn't relate to anything so the your answer comes up with what we call an Okimpta. In right? Okimpta is when we say that the text that looks like it applies to lots of things really only applies to one narrow set. And we say, you know what? The whole mission when it says you find scattered fruit is only talking about finding leftover leftover uh, wheat on a threshing floor. Because now what's special about leftover wheat on a threshing floor? Well, it's neglected. And but people people come come back for it. It. Because sorry, you can't it does it looks it looks scattered, but it might have been but it might be that people are coming back for it anyway. Right? We're looking for a case where it doesn't matter whether it looks scattered or put down. So the answer is a place where people are coming and taking stuff right and come, going back and forth is a place where even though it's scattered, people might be coming back for it. But I just have like how plausible is it really that the Mishnah is talking about like what it says scattered fruit really means scattered wheat on a threshing floor. Right. why would we say anything like that?
1: To, to, to make scary. it make sense. Pardon? To make it make sense.
0: Yeah, that's why the Gemara says it, but why would the Mishnah say it?
1: Because farmers. Like, I'm saying at the time, this is their life Yeah, cycle. so say
0: you find scattered, right, you, so you find wheat on a threshing floor.
1: Well, I think the fruit is... I mean, I think a different point could be that the ratio shows... Like, we did learn this a little bit, mm-hmm. but the ratio shows the effort someone might put in and the value of it. So let's say it's a large amount. Um, over a a long distance, the large amount might might um, counteract the distance. So even though it's a lot of work to pick it up over that long distance, it's so much. Good. that's so, well, why
0: I understand why in the end the halakha makes sense. What I don't understand is why the Mishnah would have been written about that case, because that case is so weird. Scattered,
1: fruit.
0: scattered, scattered fruit on a threshing floor. But it's it's only on a threshing floor. Scattered fruit anywhere else you can keep.
1: If it's, if it's weird, so so I'm having like a ah, okay. though. If you're gathering your produce and you're sc- on the threshing floor. That's like part of the whole process.
0: Uh-huh. Okay, uh huh. Okay, do you do think it's a reasonable looking I We get
1: scattered from the threshing floor. We get scattered wheat on the threshing floor. Well,
0: so we made fruit mean wheat. We can do that. Fruits mm-hmm. to the ground. Okay, good. To. Then do you all remember what happens next? Or maybe comes along, or Amriya should be one of your heroes? Oh, no, no, no. All I
1: know is that I don't even know if a name that was like, what if it? Yeah, like very good. We right? Yeah. Ramiri comes along and he and he that says right, um, and like peace out. Yeah. And what he yeah. says
0: Especially is he right, he, he says your ratio doesn't work because I can right because I can't extend it to other right. What happens?
1: What about when you have
0: a check that's in between these two? Good, but anyway, then, we have say I have half, I have half, I have half. I have. What about if I have half the amount and half the area? What if I have double, double the amount and double the area? What if I have expensive stuff? What if I have cheap stuff, which is hard to pick up? Okay, so now the aura ends in teku, right? We don't we don't know the answer to your question, but one way of thinking of it, and the way I think it's usually taught, is that teku means oh darn we don't know the answer to these questions. Right, that's what Teiku means. Darn, we me don't know the answer to these questions, and you know, and uh, kind of a nidnik of Yirmiyah asking oh. all these, right, all these, all these questions, which is why he gets thrown out for the duck with one foot over the, over the line thing.
1: The other but thing. It's not a bad question.
0: Yeah, but it's, it's more than it's not a bad question. At the end of the day, after Rav questions, he has proven something. What has he proven? The
1: principle does not work. Yeah. The principle doesn't work, yeah. right? So Teiku
0: what tegu does sometimes is right, it's what I call an attack tegu it shows that right, the goal of your statement was to answer a question and it fails to answer the question because, it's, right, because it does nothing useful at all mm. right, so the goal of Rabirmiya's question is not to understand the questions and then say we can't answer them, the goal of Rabirmiya is to prove that the principle is ridiculous right. at the end of the day right? if you can't answer any other questions based on this question Right, based on this principle, then what use is your principle? You're, you're gonna claim that the Mishnah is dealing only with wheat on a threshing floor in this exact proportion. It's not a ratio anymore. Right? The only right, we're not gonna claim we're now claiming that the Mishnah which says Matzah Pira the you can keep them means only if you find exactly a kav of wheat in exactly four square abode on a threshing floor. Right, as Baikirutu like to point out, there's a Gemara and Shabbos where at some point it's not entirely fair, but it's not totally just right. Where the Gemara ends up by right, forcing itself into positions, where it be- it sort of believes that the only that the case the Commission is talking about is a naked dwarf standing in a pit, and oh, yeah. that's why the Gemara looks up and says, "What? <laughs> do, you think- do you really think the Gemara is talking about naked dwarfs in pits?" <laughs> um, okay, so here, right, where Rabi Mi- surprised. So what Yirmi is can't doing. Line, what is doing right again. The watch the, the, right. Point. This has a direction, right? Don't read the lines right. <laughs> yeah. The point of all those questions together is to realize at the end of it that your principle does nothing, and therefore you're not reading the Mishnah correctly. So it's not plausible, right? So here's another example of a sugya having a uh, sugya having a direction. Okay, the whole the whole sugya of uh, of lost objects begins with a dispute between with a dispute between um, a The dispute in a and raba is about Yeosh Shalomidat. Is that Did you learn that? Yeah. Okay, so yeush means, right? What happens if I lose an object and I don't, and I, and I haven't realized I lost it, mm-hmm. right? Can another person pick it up or not?
1: Depends on
0: the reasonability of you giving it up. Wait, wait, wait. It's not closing a body in rubber A bias says, no, you can't because in order to, right, because an object belongs to you until you actually say, oh my goodness, I lost the object, I'll never get it back. Mm-hmm. Right? A bias says that, right, that, 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 um, possession, possession has continuity. And it has to be broken by your own conscious act. Rava says no. Rava says that um, it doesn't matter whether you know about it or not, at the point when you couldn't get the object back or you wouldn't bother getting the object back, it's not yours anymore. This is a huge machoket, right? Because according to Abaye, the only time you can ever keep something you find on the street is if you happen to be walking behind the person at the moment they lost oh, it, close enough to hear them say, oh darn, I right. you have to watch the wallet fall, then you have to right, walk walk up, as you're picking up the wallet, you have to say, oh darn, I lost my wallet, I'll never get it back. And then not give it back to them. <laughs>
1: but that's still
0: morally... <laughs> yeah, but that's a really pretty wild case, right? So, the, But at the end of the... Gemara brings a whole series of, of proofs and I hope your teacher, if they didn't show you that the proofs are in a specific order, but it's car- I didn't get this in 6th grade when I learned this, and it upset me for years. So I finally realized, like in college, what was really going on. Because the... The proofs don't follow a logical order, which is what you would expect. And it's very frustrating because the last thing the Gemara thinks is a proof is exactly the same as the third one. But that's because the Gemara's proofs actually follow this order. First, it brings all the cases from the Mishnah. Then it brings all the other cases related to lost objects that are not in the Mishnah. Then it brings all all the examples of things not related to lost objects at all. Not random. Other cases which deal with the question of whether you can do things, no, whether no. unconscious things are, the, are doing something because you would have done it are the same as having done it. Yeah, What's happen, do what it happens if like I that? take truma from your field oh, yes. without asking, yes. right? Yes. Right. Yes. So if you understand that, again, understand the sugya is not organized in a logical progression. It's organized in a textual progression. Cases in the Mishnah, cases on the same case as the Mishnah, uh, case, uh, write, uh, write Text on the same cases as the Mishnah, texts on a similar principle in other cases. And then it brings the actual proof. Although the only actual proof is the last one. The last one, is, the last one actually quotes verses and it's talking about stuff torn, stuff th- uh, swept away at, swept, away at sea. <laughs> That's right. But usually, right, when I learned in sixth grade, they taught it as the climax, right? Now we're gonna have a logical proof. And I said, what? The same answers apply as everywhere else. It's not it's any, the
1: only proof that stands.
0: But it's the only proof that stands, and it's always gonna stand, and everything else that leads up to it is not in order. It's just a way of organizing the material. In college, I read it again, but I was well,
1: also
0: yeah. I know <laughs> they don't show it to you that way, but if you look at it now, you'll see that it's all the cases from the Mishnah, and then all the bright that relate to lost objects, and then all the other cases, and then finally the last proof, which is the only one that matters.
1: Do you think that when they actually had this discussion in the Gemara, like while it was happening, do you think when they wrote it down they did it in this order, or when they actually went through
0: this conversation? I think that it, Gemara is not a live conversation. Gemara is a Memorized version that is designed to, enti- to, to get you to recall the conversation, so not a question, write wrote it, it down when they formalized it Yeah, they formalized it in that order. Many sugid mm-hmm. are in this order Many sugid are in this order and, if you, and know, if you don't get that, so then you write the whole thing doesn't make any sense because you're looking for a direction. direction And there isn't a direction, right? It's not a logical direction. Yeah, exactly right Okay, now what actually happens in the end now? Unfortunately the sugid that we have it has been uh, somewhat spoiled because somebody couldn't deal with suspense so they put in like an eight-line interjection after the opening question, which really shouldn't be there, it's not in the manuscript, and messes everything up. Yeah. Because the whole perp- what the pr- the purpose of that suge is to tell you that at the very, be- at the very beginning it looks like buy and Ravva, this huge dispute. Rabba says you always keep lost objects, and Abayi says you only keep them in that weird case we came up with of walking behind somebody. Yeah. And at the end, the Gemara has to work really hard and barely can find one case in which they disagree. Because it turns out that Abaye agrees that it's okay if you might if we can, if, there's a, if there's a principle that you that you might have known about it that we can rely on. Yeah. Or if you would have done it. And then Abaye is so narrowed, so ironically right? everybody yeah. said that <laughs> we pass it like Abaye against Rava, But we pass it in a way that looks much more like Rava than Abaye. Well, but most
1: of the time they
0: actually agree. Right. Uh, and they agree to Rava that it's Yeosh. Right, so it's right, so in the same way as the quadabriot circuit, right? It looks it looks like it's proving one thing, but it actually proves the opposite. Because in the end there's nothing left of a by we Paskin like the last case standing bye which was like paskin like the Shotness case. Okay. Okay, so circuit are radically different. Right? If you think of it this way, then you can Okay, so now we'll just talk about it very briefly. I think we're running out of time. Um um have 15 minutes but i think i think probably i might have stretched i might have stretched you to the point so we're gonna do something a little bit hard and uh but i'm not gonna do it in full depth if you want afterwards you can stay with me and we can do it we can do it in full depth this is actually uh, a fun thing because this was discovered by um professor robert Alman, who is a nobel pre- uh, prize winning economist and also from uh, and so he wrote this piece on gemara which really um really opens up the gemara in a way you might not think about it so we have a Mishnah that you all know about, right? And the Mishnah says that there's two people, right? This, so let's go to page, uh, right, this, is, this is the thing that your class was originally doing. Yeah, um, right, this is the tallest case, right? Yeah, the tallest case, right? Page, um, page four, this is actually what Dr. Goldstein first wrote to me about what it what to teach. She wanted me to give a different shear, and I thought this was the right, the right shear to, to give to respond to the issue. Um, so the, right, so the gives a case that um, seems to give a very straightforward principle. And the principle is if two people are fighting and they may, right, are fighting about one thing, and they both have equal claims, so they split it. Right, that's a, straight, that's a straightforward principle. I think that Golstein told me that some of you were wondering, like but that's common sense, right? Who needs to write, it? who needs to write a, a write a mission a Gemara about this? Gemara mm-hmm. comes up with a slightly more complicated case. What happens if two people are fighting about the same object, but they make different claims as to what percentage of the object they own? Mm-hmm. So, Gemara comes up with a still pretty straightforward principle, which is the, the, the part that they're arguing about they split, and the part that nobody's arguing about, the one who the only one is claiming it keeps. For example, if I have a talus worth worth $100, and one person says, I own half of it, so they're only arguing about half of it, so the $50, the $50 that nobody argues about, that red B gets to keep, and the $50 they're arguing about, A and B split. Okay, at that point, it seems like is still dealing with a very common sense principle which is pretty straightforward. Now, how could you complicate this? How could, right. If you think of this as the introduction to a sugyet, as opposed to, right, as something establishing a principle, as opposed to as something that is comprehensive, how could you complicate this further? What if I have more than two people? What if the multiple people making claims, what if there isn't enough... All right, they're, they're they're making claims of different amounts, and now we have to figure out the answer. dependent right? even if there are very different amounts, sometimes the amount that's available is more than some of the claims and less than the, right, and less than some of the claims. Sometimes it's more than all the claims. Sometimes less than all the claims. And now that becomes a much more complicated mathematical problem. And that problem, as it happens, is raised by Mishnah Ketubot, um, ten four right on page, on um, on page four, where you have somebody's married to three women and died. So that means that the moment he dies right and he's, he's married, right all his wives have claims to vest simultaneously mm-hmm. and the tub of wife a is 100 the tube of wife b is 200 and the tube of wife of wife c is 300. um right so now we have a rule right so now we have three different claims three different amounts so if the estate is 100 they divide it evenly so that's easy right why divide it easily because each are claiming more than 100 mm-hmm. they divide it evenly if the estate is 300 so then A gets 50, B gets 100, and C gets 150, and we can sort of figure out what that principle might be. But if they say it was 200, we get this weird notion. A gets 50, B gets 75, C gets 75. How does that work?
1: Minimizing the losses, trying to minimize the losses
0: on. So very good, right? It's like we're, having, like we're we, have, we have, it turns out that the principle of Yolko has two aspects. One is everybody should get an equal share of what, or equal share of what they claim. and the other is everybody should, get, right, should should get an equal loss. And that's a very complicated thing. It turns out that this problem, right so it turns out how to divide things is actually a, an extremely complicated math problem. with multiple, right, multiple players, multiple amounts, It's an extremely complicated math thing. and before, before Professor Alman reached the Suya, apparently it was thought to be require supercomputers. And then Professor Alman said, hang on a sec, but there's a Mishnah, which seems to believe it has a solution to it. And it turns out that you can get the answer. What you do is you divide each claim in half. And for half of them, what you do is you do the equivalent of Yakloku on the way up to make sure that they all have to make sure that they all get an equal share of their claim. And on the and then the other half, you do the back you, you divide it the other way so they all they all get the same amount less than their claim. And it adds up to a single to a single solution, which is the solution to Yachloku for, right, for right, for right, for n, for 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 uh, n players, and that's a simple formula. Which he, so he wrote an article, which cool, right? That he solved this problem, which used to require supercomputers, and it all came out of, all came out of the uh, the Mishnah, which seems to have done some really extraordinary math. Um, and it turns out Yachloku is not an easy principle at all. Yachloku is the only an easy principle as long as there are only two players, and the amounts are easy.
1: <laughs>
0: so our Mishnah is actually introduction to a much more right. To a much more complicated to a much more complicated game. Okay, so it's another way of thinking. Right of thinking right that the principle established in the first mission of Mesia is really just there to um, it's really just there to be right to establish a principle which are then gonna be tested in all sorts of really complicated mathematical ways. And the advantage of Professor Alman's model is that it actually gives you answers for cases that are not in the Mishnah.
1: Mm-hmm. So or, it's out
0: of it. Using the Mishnah as a guide base. Right? The interesting Mishnah question, has, right, you know, is who got... right? Who right? It seems like you'll see that there are two Amoraim who come up with equivalents of saying this is talking about threshing floors. But um, but Rabi Dhanasi seems to have uh, understood the Mishnah in a way that is compatible, and there are different Rishonim. Some of them get this, some of them don't. Um, right, it's really, inter- it's really interesting. Okay, so that's, that is, uh, I think, um, what I wanted to cover with you in the country this year. I think Dr. Goldstein wanted me to just point out to you that we can have fun on our own also. So I think like this way of thinking about Gemara, thinking about gemara internally is also the things that you can do halakhically. So she wanted to do an example that was very popular. Um, I guess I'll talk about this. Let me talk autobiographically. When I was your age, I guess, uh, or older, uh, I was really not interested by halakha. Uh, I only liked Gemara. I like playing Gemara. I didn't like halakha at all. But... Um, so I thought, I thought my <laughs> mission in life was to write was to write a book of philosophy about halacha, because uh, I thought that Rosh Hashanah had written *Yishalacha*, and that was about the philosophy of learning. But even though I wasn't interested in halacha, I was interested in the philosophy of halacha. So I thought I would write a book about the philosophy of practical halacha.
1: Hmm.
0: And then I had this, you know, unfortunate idea that in order to write the philosophy of practical halacha, I should yeah, actually learn time. practical halacha, <laughs> which really didn't excite me at all. But because I was a you know man of integrity. I went to the Adn Yadin College at YU, right, the post-Micha program that does civil law, in order to learn practical halacha so I could write philosophy about it. Sadly, as a result of this, one was required to give practical halachic lectures, which was the last thing I wanted to do. Um, but I had to. Once a month, I had to give a practical halachic lecture in the topic of Gittin. So here I shall give you my, my, first, my first lecture. Um, uh, here, here. I guess this tissue
1: can be sacrificed. No, don't work with the tissue. <laughs> nice. Can I take this piece of paper? Sure. I like it.
0: It has the word ontological in it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> um, Here's
1: a box.
0: Yeah, well, I We're going to forget that it's folded or anything that. It's, it's not, it's not going to be as much fun if it's folded. So mm-hmm. this is not a folded piece of paper, okay? So there's halakha that says that if you write a get or any other legal document, mm-hmm. the witnesses have to sign the same side of the piece of paper. As the, um, as the document is on. They can't sign the back. Right? So I have this piece of paper, right? This side. right? So why
1: we'll can't they sign
0: the back? Why can't they sign the back? Because it's too easy to forge, perhaps. <laughs> you can't tell, right? You, can, you, you can't tell whether they saw what was actually written or not. Okay, can I have a pen? Okay, so we'll call this, right? This side we'll call D. <coughs> yeah, D, so this is the document. And this side we'll call W, that's the witnesses. All right, so this is now an invalid document. Mm. Now, I do this. <laughs> the back is right over here. Right over here.
1: That's part of it. Okay.
0: But there's only one side.
1: Oh,
0: my gosh. It's a mobius strip. It's Absolutely. a mobius strip. A, so, my, yeah, first, my first practical halachic lecture <laughs> was about divorces written on mobius strips. Could be... They- <laughs> <laughs> could the document right, could the
1: could
0: the, it could, the, uh, could the, could the, um, could, could was it the, could the, could the, could I get valid, they the, the follow-up, which I did not get to give, um, could anybody figure out what the next, what the follow-up has to be?
1: How do
0: you? So, you know, you, you know what a Klein bottle is? No. So I'm not a mathematician, but I'll just, for fun, right, so a movie Strip is a two-dimensional object, twisted through okay, the third dimension. A Klein bottle is a three-dimensional object, twisted through the fourth dimension. And it has one side. But because it's a three-dimensional, right, it's a three-dimensional object, that one side is the outside. So now, anybody know what the rules are of what you have to do in order to be mekabel tuma? You have to be a keli, which means you have to be a container. So the follow-up to it was, <laughs> was going to be, our Klein bottles, is a Klein bottle mekabel tuma or not? Right, so you can have this kind of fun. I I, I wrote that I had a, a lecture about um, getting ridden, written on hydroponically grown vegetables and uh, yeah. mushrooms. I what? Friend, I have a friend who would be obsessed with that. Do you have any any sort of written article like Uh, I don't know. I have to think about whether it's actually written out. Okay. Right then, I then I had one about Velcro getting, uh, because Velcro I, or adhesive. Do you Gittin, want it? Right, because so the more? rule is that if you I mean, if you throw a get into someone's <laughs> oh in his own, <laughs> in his property, right? So it land, right? They're divorced the moment it passes, it starts to descend because it's gonna land there. But what if mm-hmm. you have an adhesive yet? It's throwing it at the ceiling. So right, maybe they should be divorced <laughs> on the way up as opposed to, down. again, anyway, you should realize that you can have fun this way also. We don't do all these serious things. Um, do you have a book on this? This would
1: be like perfect material, literally.
0: Well, there's a book, but it's not, a, the book is, you know, there's some things like that. You know, there's, a, there's my short story in the style of uh, George Luis Borges. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're, all for, they're they're fun. are things that play fun games. Uh, last summer was built up one of the uh, one of the fun games. Last summer we talked about Truman. You know, and the the fun was constructing the position that would make the whole world into one and The position that would not let you walk walk more, uh, walk more than your in Manhattan, because Manhattan is not a city, but the whole world is, right? So I enjoy constructing the extreme positions, and uh, but then and then try to figure out holistically what you're really supposed to do, is uh, That's you know, well, in, in some ways it's what to me, you know, take these, like, right, pieces. so right, you're right, right. So Plus we're tra- run, we're having the same kind of oh, conversation.
1: No, yes. it, is we're
0: having right, we're, ha- we're having the same kind of conversation we have in the Gemara. All right, that's the presentation. I hope it makes you think about Gemara uh,
1: <laughs> somewhat differently. Stand stand
0: stand <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> uh, um, you okay, if. Um, well,
1: well, I'm doing